About 10 years ago, when Lenore Scanese let her nine-year-old son ride the New York subway home by himself, you would have thought from the reactions that she'd committed a crime. In some places, she would have. Now Scanese is the founder of Free Range Kids, a movement to bring up safe and self-reliant children, and of the nonprofit Let Grow. Just this month, Utah became a free-range state, changing its law to protect parents from being charged with neglect for, say, letting their kids walk alone, or wait in a car for a grown-up. As summer arrives, parents will again fret and worry about what outdoor liberties to allow their children, as Skenazy argues that the risks of giving them some freedom are exaggerated, and the advantages of that freedom are incalculable. What's the difference between a free-range kid and a neglected kid? Well, I think you know it when you see it. Most of us grew up free-range, and it didn't even have that name then. It's a kid who is taught how to cross the street both ways, knows that they have to be home by a certain time. Usually it's uh, when the street lights go on. And then is given some freedom. Neglect is when you don't give your kid food, when you beat them, you starve them, you give them drugs, you pimp them out. A neglected kid is a child who is harmed by parents who are blatantly disregarding their welfare. And a free-range kid is sort of an old-fashioned kid. We are not the nation we were 50 years ago or even 20 or 30 years ago. What are some of the forces that changed this, what was the default position of childhood, a free-range childhood, into what you are worried about now? Two Florida parents charged with a felony neglect charge after their 11-year-old son was reportedly playing alone in the backyard for 90 minutes while they ran late and he was locked out of the house. So... Yeah, how did we go from thinking that it was great for kids to walk outside? My mom sent me outside at 5 to walk to school. I mean, that was just the norm back then. And suddenly we hear about stories about parents getting arrested for letting their 10-year-olds play outside. They found a woman who was arrested a couple of years ago for letting her 11-year-old wait in the car for a little while while she ran an errand. So what happened is that we've decided now that any time a child is unsupervised, they are automatically endangered. There's no connection between that and reality. The crime rate was higher when we were growing up in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s than it is today, and nobody screamed at parents, how dare you let your child walk to school? It's like we're living in Grand Theft Auto or something. Walking a couple blocks in a quiet neighborhood is about as safe as you can get. It's certainly safer than driving your kids anywhere. Driving is the number one way kids die, is as car passengers in, in crashes. And yet we fantasize that the second they step outside the house without a security detail, they're going to be hurt. One difference when I was growing up is that when I was out until dark and when I was roaming far and wide, virtually everybody who would have seen me knew who I was and knew who my parents were. That's not the case now. But it sounds like you might have grown up in a sort of small town, and I would think that certainly people would still know each other there. What might be different is that if you're not outside, nobody gets to know you. We got so used to not knowing our neighbors, not saying hello, not letting our kids walk to school or play outside or go to the park, that nowadays the kids are either in a car or in the backyard or at Little League, and and they don't get to know the neighborhood. One of the things I'm really pushing for that I would love schools to do is what I call the Let Grow Project, where the teachers tell the kids to go home and do one thing on their own, 
that they feel ready to do that they haven't done yet. After they, you know, they talk to their parents and their parents agree. But it can be like walk the dog, go to the bus stop on your own, go to the store, get the ingredients to make dinner and come home and make it. Any of those things are going to get your kid back outside. You just, we just have to renormalize the idea that kids are part of the world. They're not just vases to be, you know, put behind glass and kept inside because they're so delicate and so precious, we don't want anything to happen to them. Well, we now seem to have a zero tolerance for any risk, let alone any harm to kids. How did that happen? Tammy Cooper says her kids, ages 9 and 6, were riding their scooters around the cul-de-sac where they live while she sat in her front yard and watched from a few feet away. A little while later, she says, a LaPorte police officer pulled up. I went out there to see what he was here for, and he says, no, ma'am, we're here for you. And I said, oh, really? Why? And that's when he proceeded to tell me that he had received a call from one of my neighbors that um, my kids were outside riding their scooters and supervised. Said, well, ma'am, turn around, put your hands behind your back. You're under arrest for child endangerment. Our tolerance for risk has been eroding, and I think part of it is due to the idea that anytime something bad happens, it's because of somebody being irresponsible, not vigilant enough. As the world has become almost safer and more manageable in a lot of respects, we think that it is completely manageable and completely controllable. And now we have the technological devices to keep constant tabs on literally almost everything our kids do. You can see what their grades are each day online. You can tell where they're walking by GPSing them. RFID tags are used in some school districts to tell you if your child got on the bus and where they got off the bus. You're like... uh, like surveillance, right? So once you start thinking like that, you think you can control, you think you must control, and you think that your child is something that has to be tracked like a FedEx package. But a parent might say, whether or not this is about legal consequences, what's wrong with me knowing where my kid is all the time? The textbook case for many parents was in 1979, the Aton Pates case, Six-year-old New York boy, his parents had given him permission for the first time to walk the two blocks to the bus stop, and he was kidnapped and murdered. Down the stairs and out onto Prince Street. It was a red-letter day for first-grader Aton. For months, he'd been pestering his parents to walk alone to the school bus stop just two blocks away. Today, they finally agreed, and away he went. In the early days, you and your wife took a lot of criticism about letting Aton go by himself that day. That must have been tough. Well, we did, but at some point in every parent's life, they send their children to school alone. Did we do it too early? Obviously, we did. It was very familiar territory. This was a very safe neighborhood. When do you let them out of your sight? When they're 21? It is strange to me that in making an everyday decision about whether your kid can do anything on their own, the touchstone is the, the most horrific, most anomalous story that is so outrageously awful that we remember it literally two generations later. And we don't make our decisions about anything else we let our kids do based on one horrible thing that happened 39 years ago. We don't say, you know, I want to drive you to the dentist, but my God, what if we get in a car accident? What if there's a drunk driver out there? Think of those people who died in the car accident 39 years ago. I don't want to be like them. No, we're not going. 
And we recognize that that would be weird to think that way, to always go to this one worst-case scenario. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, the idea that we can control for literally every danger every single second. And what it generally boils down to is never letting our children out of our sight. I'm trying to make it easy and normal to sort of go back to it's true that nothing is perfectly safe. Driving our kids is not perfectly safe. Feeding them solid food is not perfectly safe. Living in a house with stairs is not perfectly safe. Sending them outside is not perfectly safe, but it is really safe. And I want my kids to have some life other than sitting in a room, looking at their iPad, waiting for mom to drive them to lacrosse. The state of Utah became the first state to have a free-range parenting law. And part of what prompted that was a case of a family in Maryland that had dropped a couple of its children, 10 years old, 6 years old, at a local park to play for the afternoon. And the children were walking home by themselves. People called the cops. They were taking into protective custody. I never blame parents for being helicopters because we are always talking about the Aton Pats case and the anomalous case of like Elizabeth Smart or something that is very scary. And so I'm not surprised that parents end up clutching their children very tightly in a way that they were never clutched as kids. And when you do let them free range, as the Métis family did, it starts to look weird. Now, I listened to the 911 call from the man who saw the kids outside. And I'm walking my dog. Okay. Two kids that are unaccompanied, and they've been walking around for probably about 20 minutes by themselves. Okay. How old do they look? Maybe seven. Little boy, maybe about seven, eight. Little girl, maybe about six. Okay. And you don't see any parents around them? No, ma'am. Okay. Have you have you talked to them to see, you know, why are they just walking around by themselves? No, no, they came up and asked to pet my dog. I let them, and uh, that was it, and I just started Okay, are, are they still with you, or you already left? No, no I'm, I'm walking behind them. I don't want to scare them. Like, he's not sure why he's calling, but he knows that maybe he's supposed to, because he, he calls and he says, you know, there's two kids outside. I, I don't know them. They they look fine, and the, the 911 says, well, are they disturbed? Are they lost? He goes, no, no, they're, they're, they're great. They're smiling. They were talking to me and my dog. And it's like, well, is there anything wrong? He said, no, but I feel like, you know, they're kids. I, I, should I call? So I love the idea of community and caring, but I don't want us to be translating that into I must get the authorities involved, or this is not how I would raise my kids, and therefore the parents must be punished. I don't see how that helps anyone people write to me because they know I'm interested in this topic of childhood freedom and, frankly, parental freedom, too. Some of them say, I'm not worried about my kid getting snatched. I'm worried about somebody calling 911 and open an investigation on me. I don't want those parents to have to worry that simply by being old-fashioned parents instilling a sense of responsibility and joy in their kids that they could possibly end up arrested. Are they going to call 911? Am I going to be arrested? There is, in some people's mind, a difference between choice and necessity when it comes to leaving your kids alone, making them latchkey kids. And there was a story in The Atlantic that pointed out that this gap is particularly pronounced when it comes to parents of color and that 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 dissonance between how white middle-class parents are regarded when it comes to free-range parenting versus parents of color who may not have any choice. Well, that is very true. This woman named Deborah Harrell was a single mom down in South Carolina working at McDonald's, 
And normally her daughter, during the summer, age nine, would come and sit at McDonald's with her and play on a laptop. That's how she whiled away the hours while the mom was doing her job. Deborah's African-American. So the house is burglarized, and away goes the laptop. And so the girl says to her mom, Mom, how about instead of me just going to McDonald's with nothing to do, I go to the sprinkler park near us instead. And the mom thought, okay, that's a great idea. And so the girl has a cell phone. She goes and she plays in the sprinkler park. She's there for the third day of doing this. And some lady says, little girl, where is your mother? And she says, she's working. And the woman picks up her phone and dials 911. And the cops come, and they take the little girl away for 17 days away from Deborah Harrell. And they throw Deborah in jail for a night. And then the next day, they interrogate Deborah. And the cop is making her sound like, you know, so you threw her in the alligator pit, which is obviously not true. And in the end, everything turned out all right. But when you talk about whether you're free-ranging by choice or by necessity, what's great about a free-range kid's law is that it protects everyone, everyone who loves their kids and makes a rational decision out of choice. There's no reason a parent shouldn't be allowed to choose by necessity or by desire to give their kids some independence, and that includes coming home with a latch key. The idea that that's negligence when it's simply trusting your kid at age 8, 9, or 10 to do something on their own, that's a big difference. Should there be a national law or a national standard that defines what this is? Yes, I would like to see a law that says that unless a parent exhibits blatant disregard for their child's safety and well-being, they are allowed to make their decisions for their kids. It encompasses all the things we're talking about, the parents who want their kids to get some fresh air, to play, to make a fort in the woods, to ride their bikes, to go to the library, and the parents who say, look, I can't be home until 6.30, and so come home and do your homework, and if you can, make yourself a snack. And I think that that would help all parents, working parents and those who aren't. Kids do like their computers, and they like their phones, and they like sitting still and doing that. Is it hard to get them to let go of those devices and go do something? I think it is, but one of the co-founders of Let Grow is a professor named Peter Gray. He cites an interesting study that was asked of children online, and it said, would you rather stay online and play whatever game you're playing or be outside playing with friends? And I don't remember the exact percent, but it was over 80% wished that they could be outside with friends. That has always been the greatest magnet for kids. But if you look outside and there are no kids to play with, of course you'll stay inside because there is some other place to play. There is online. And I'm not against online games. I'm not against computers. I'm not against phones. But I do know that when kids are outside coming up with something to do, deciding if the ball was in or out, there's so much fun and growth, social emotional growth to be had through free play that they don't get if they're supervised. And I don't think they get as much of if they're online. So the other day I was giving a talk to a bunch of educators and administrators. I asked, what's something that you loved doing that you don't let your own kids do? And everybody was telling me stories, you know, the time that they got lost and they had a hitchhike home and the time that this went wrong or that went wrong. And everybody concluded with, but we didn't tell our parents. These are what resilience is based on. This is what your grown-up life is based on, knowing that you're the kid who handled that. I mean, why do we remember these stories? Why are they so important to us? They're foundational. They tell us that something can go wrong, and we can figure out how to make it go right again, and it gives you this confidence 
to go forward. And we keep taking this out of our kids' lives and saying, I'll be there. Oh, honey, did you hurt yourself? Let me help you. Oh, look, I brought an entire bag of first aid and a cast and, uh, you know, a medivac in my pack here. It's so unfair to children because it's taking away their childhood and giving it to us. Lenore Skenazy, thank you so much. You're welcome, Pat. Pat Morrison Asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison. It's edited and engineered by Mike Heflin and Dave Wine. The music is Gary U.S. Bond's School is Out on the Legrand label and Free to Be You and Me from Arista Records. The audio clips are from ABC's 2020, from Texas Station KPRC, and from Fox Insider. Subscribe to Pat Morrison Asks and never miss a podcast.